Father, we thank you this morning as we come before you. We pray that your Holy Spirit may speak to us and guide us and teach us and enable us to understand your word. We pray that you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish through your word this morning. And that, Father, your Holy Spirit may take over in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris, it's good to see you. <laughs> Two Chrises, right? Great. Matthew chapter 14 from verse 22 to verse 33. The event that takes place here is also recorded in Mark chapter 6 from verse 45 to verse 56 with some minor differences. It is also recorded in John chapter 6 from verse 16 to verse 21, again, with some minor differences. The reason I chose to speak from Matthew chapter 14 is because Matthew give, gives us more details on what happens. But feel free to read Mark chapter 6 and John chapter 6 at your own time. Immediately, we are told Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, indicating that he, he forced them to, he compelled them. They didn't want to get into the boat. In fact, the crowd, Jesus had fed 5,000 people and they wanted to make him a king. And so he made the disciples get into the boat and then he dismissed the crowd. Verse 2, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Then he took some time to pray. Now, we don't know what he was praying for. Maybe he was praying for the crowd or for the disciples. But he took time to be alone and fellowship with the Father. Something that you and I need to do you you need sometimes to pull off from the rest of the world and spend time with your father later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the disciples are rowing the boat and the, the, the water is rough. There is wind, there are waves, but then they are, they are struggling to do it. It was common for the Sea of Galilee to be rough at times, and the disciples were aware of that. I'm saying that because you need to realize that this passage is not about the storm. 
Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Remember, he had made them get into the boat so that they can go ahead of him to the other side. So he had intentions of meeting with them. He just wanted them to go ahead. So here, he goes to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified before Jesus walked on the water going to them. They were not terrified. The only time they were terrified is when they saw someone, a figure of a person walking on water. They were terrified because they thought it was a ghost, a spirit. They are in the dark. They cannot tell exactly who this person is. But Jesus, they were terrified and they cried out. So probably Jesus heard their cry. And immediately he said to them, take courage. Be of good cheer. Be courageous. It is I. Take courage. Why? Because it is I. Don't be Afraid. He's telling the disciples, you have every reason to be courageous because I am here. I am the source of your courage. And then Peter says, Lord, if it is you, first class conditional sentence, which in your English language you would read, since it is you. Peter is not doubting whether this is Jesus. He knows his voice. The other disciples were not doubting whether it was Jesus after hearing his voice. And Jesus says, well, Peter says, if it is you, since it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And Peter got down of the, out of the boat, walked on the water for the first time of his life toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, now you should remember that the wind was still there when he asked Jesus to command him to come. The wind was still there when he stepped out of the boat. 
He just wasn't paying attention to it because his faith was on Christ. But something happens as he walks on the water. Something that affects his faith. Something that makes him afraid and he begins to doubt the one who enables him to walk on the water. We are told when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. When he was walking on the water, he was walking on faith. Faith on Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to him when he cries. He reaches out his hand and he reached out his hand and caught him and he said, you of little faith. Now, little faith is not a problem. Little faith is growing faith. All of us come to Christ with little faith. And as we know him, as we know his word, as we obey him, our faith continues to grow. So little faith is not a problem. Listen to what Jesus says. Why did you doubt? That's where the problem is. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, confessing truly, you are the son of God. When Peter doubted Christ, the same lake that he was walking on opened up, threatening to swallow him. Then Peter realized his mistake, his sin, his weakness, his limitation, and he cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. Lord, save me is a cry from a person who has been enslaved by sin but he has also seen or realized that there is a savior. Lord, save me is a cry of someone who has fallen into sin and has realized that there is someone who is able to lift me up. Lord, save me is a cry of that lonely heart that is looking for company, that is looking for someone to fill that empty vacuum and has realized that the Lord is willing to fill that vacuum. Lord, save me is the cry that every person who does not know the Lord, every person who is not saved need to cry today. And he promises to lift you up. And, and this, is, this is very encouraging about Jesus. See, Jesus would have said, you, Peter, 
why did you doubt and then push him in a little bit? <laughs> Time out. <laughs> but instead, he lifts him up. Amen. Even before he rebukes him, he lifts him up first. This is why I I ask myself, these Christians who are so quick to push others down, what kind of Christ do they worship? These Christians who are so quick to talk about others when they fail, what kind of Jesus do they follow? And you and I know some of them. In fact, some of us here have experienced that. We've been recipients of these kinds of Christians who instead of lifting you up when you need help, they push you down because it makes them feel that they are better. They allow their self-righteousness to take control. There is nothing Christ-like in them. But also maybe some of us are those Christians or have been those Christians. When we realize the heart of Christ, we will also realize that when one of us falls down, it affects each one of us. And our desire should be, how can we help? How can we lift her up? How can we lift him up? We pray for that person like never before. We encourage that person like never before because they need it. But I said here a few weeks ago that sadly Christians are famous for shooting the wounded. I don't know what kind of Christ those Christians follow or even worship. The disciples were terrified not because of the rough waters, but because of the presence of Jesus. They were terrified because they were not expecting him. But also because they couldn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize him because they were in the dark, but they were also not expecting him. So they never even thought this might be Jesus. No. They were not expecting him. And it is the same with us. Many Christians today don't listen to the Holy Spirit because they don't expect him to speak. 
They don't listen to the Holy Spirit because they don't expect him to interrupt their lives. That's why some of us are so rigid. We claim that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and yet we have already decided what he should teach us. We claim that God's word is alive and yet when we come to the scriptures, we have already decided what God is going to tell us. Because we don't expect him to confront us to rebuke us, to teach us. We are not ready to unlearn. The disciples were not expecting Jesus and his presence terrified them. Jesus comes to the disciples who are in deep darkness to reveal that he is the one they can always rely on. He comes to them to tell them that in my presence you can have courage. And you know courage is a very important word. You just add a few letters before it and you discourage. You add a few letters and you encourage. To discourage is to take courage from someone. To encourage is to give that person courage. Jesus appears, the disciples are terrified, and in their discouragement, he tells them, take courage, it is I. I am the source of your courage. With Christ, we can be the people who are encouraging others. And Christians should play that role of encouraging others. For those of you that have had children, when they begin to walk, they fall, right? As a, a loving father, a loving mother, you don't spank your baby for falling, for trying to walk and falling. You lift him up. You lift her up and you encourage her. Because she's still growing. Her muscles are not as strong as they should. And you should understand that. Now, if my son Wilji, who is 12, begins to fall when we are walking, and if I look at her and feel that he's enjoying it, he's going to get some spanks. <laughs> so at a certain stage of life, we do need some spanks. But in our weakest moments, we need encouragement. And the best way to cultivate that is to offer it to someone else. 
do unto others what you would have them do to you. The message from this passage is very simple. The presence of the Lord in our lives is our courage. The presence. And do you know that Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, he is in you. Because his Holy Spirit indwells you. In the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in you. You don't need to hear a voice that tells you, take courage. You just need to realize that he is present with you. And in every discouragement, you will find your courage in Christ. Because his presence is our courage. And this is a lesson that is teaching the disciples. And because his presence is our courage, let me give you two points here. Two things that happens that we can learn from this chapter with the disciples together with Peter. The disciples that were in the boat when they heard Jesus' voice, that was okay for them. They were terrified, but when they heard his voice, when they heard him saying, it is I, don't be afraid, they were, amen, Lord. They were calm now. It was all right for them. Here is the point, number one. Because Jesus is our courage, we need to be still and wait on him. There are moments in your life that you need to be still knowing that Jesus is in control. Be still and wait. Because he is our courage. But also Peter, noticing that it is Jesus, he says, command me to come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter had to believe in Jesus before stepping out of the boat. Because Jesus is our courage, his presence is our courage. We need to boldly take a step of faith, knowing that he will take care of us. So one, there are moments in your life where you need to be still and just enjoy the moment. Allow God to wait on him. Let, let him do what he wants to do. Let him minister to you. And then there are moments that you need to take a step of faith boldly. You need to stand up for him knowing that even though your obedience may expose you to some difficulties, he will take care of you. Sometimes. There are times you need to stay in in the boat, knowing that Jesus is here. 
And there are times you need to get out of the boat in faith. So Matthew is not presenting the disciples who are in the boat and Peter trying to say this is better than this. He's telling us, as you listen to Christ, as you obey him, as you follow him, you will find yourself in this place and sometimes in this place. See, the American churches, the American church has enjoyed the calm and comfort of the boat for a long time. And when the Lord provides opportunities for you to get out of the boat and trust that he will take care of you, you start complaining. You think the president should fix it. You think politicians should fix it? No! It's an opportunity for you to trust God. It's an opportunity for you to take courage and step out and be the Christian that God wants you to be. Yeah. The American Christian wants, let the government do it. Let them pass this law so that I don't have to worry about it. And we fail to experience what God wants us to experience. We fail to learn the lessons that he wants us to learn. That's why when something just happens, Christians begin to to complain here. Oh, it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. Christ is coming. It's the end. There are countries that have been facing the same problem for centuries. God is providing you an opportunity to trust him and you don't make use of it. There are times that you need to stay in the boat, trust and wait And there are times that you need to get out in faith, knowing that he will take care of you. A story is told of a a blind girl. She was playing, she was playing a piano upstairs in her house, beside a window. And then suddenly she began to hear people calling on her. There is fire in your house. Open the window and jump. There is fire in the house. Open the window and jump. And she stood up beside the window, but she she was looking. And then she, I mean, she's kind of facing outside as people keep on shouting. And she opened the window and she could hear people shouting and she stood there, tears rolling down her cheek, shaking in fear. And the people down there were Confused, why doesn't she want to jump? The house is on fire. And then she heard another voice. 
this voice said, Tricia, jump. And she smiled, and then she jumped, landing on her father's arms. She was blind. But the voice of her father gave her the courage to jump. She knew, this is my father. I cannot see, but I know he will take care of me when I jump. The other voices didn't mean anything to her. They were confusing because she didn't know who they were. The presence of her father and his voice is what gave her the courage. As a Christian, again, Christ is present with you. He lives in you. You and I have every reason to be courageous because you and I have the source of our courage living in us. Everywhere we go, I I don't know why sometimes God takes so long to intervene. I don't know why sometimes he takes so long to answer our prayers. Maybe there's something you've been praying for and you have been waiting and you are getting you're getting tired. I don't know why sometimes he, he seems to be so slow in responding when we cry out to him. I don't know why. But this is what I know. I know that he did not bring us this far to leave us alone. I know that he did not bring us this far to watch us die. I know that he did not bring us this far to destroy us. And I know that I can still trust him. It may seem like he's not listening to you or he's not paying attention to you. But just to remind yourself that he did not bring you this far to leave you alone. And in the face of deep darkness, like the disciples, our image of Jesus Christ may be distorted. Our understanding of his word may be distorted. But when we hear his voice, we will be reminded that he is with us. And there is nothing encouraging to a Christian like knowing that Jesus is always with you. You know, Job, Job after going through all the difficulties in his life, 
after talking with his friends and being discouraged, he calls them miserable encouragers. He says in Job 42 verse 5, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. When God came to his rescue after he had gone through this pain and loss and grief, he says, I heard of you, but now I have seen you. It's a confession of a grateful heart. Our obedience to Christ may cost us, but it will also bring us joy. It says in Psalm 16, verse 11, David says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. And in Nehemiah, the, the passage that we read in the morning, it reminded us that the presence in the presence, that his joy is our strength. In his presence, there is fullness of joy, and his joy is our strength. His joy is our courage. Exodus chapter 33, the Israelites had sinned. And the Lord looked at them. He was angry. He wanted to destroy them. And then he said to Moses, I am not going to go with you to the promised land. If I do, I might destroy you on the way because you are stiff-necked people. And Moses and the Israelites turned to the Lord and said, if your presence is not going with us, we are not going. See, the Israelites realized too that they needed to have the presence of God with them for them to enjoy the promised land. Without God in your life, even the American dream can be a nightmare. You will not have any joy in your life because he is the source of our joy. David said in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I go from the presence of the Lord? Let me finish this. Adam and Eve, after eating the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and realized that they were naked, we are told that they had God walking in the garden. Early in the morning, God is coming to fellowship with them. 
He's coming to have a devotional with them. He's visiting them. But when they had him coming, the Bible says they hid from the presence of the Lord. That is what sin does to us. Sin does not bring us closer to the Lord. It takes us far away from the Lord. It will take us far from the Lord. It will cost us more than we were intending to pay. And it would keep us longer than we had planned to stay. They hid from the presence of the Lord. Now listen to what Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says. Peter was preaching here in Acts chapter 3. He says, therefore, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Sin takes you away. Repentance brings you back. If you don't know the Lord, if Jesus is not you save, your savior, you can turn to him this morning and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And maybe you will also be able to say with the disciples, truly you are the son of God. Maybe you will also be able to say like Job, I had heard of you, but now I have seen you. Repent and turn to the Lord. Because the Lord is with us, brothers and sisters, he is aware of everything that we face. He is aware of the pain that his people experience. He is aware of your loneliness he is aware of your desires, even the ones that you cannot share with others. He's aware of that which you are struggling with because there are issues that we struggle with that we cannot even talk about. The Lord is aware of that and he is not only willing, he is able to lift you up. You just need to realize that he is always with you. And he has promised that he will never leave you. So as a Christian, you have every reason to be joyful. Even when the wind is blowing and the waves are buffeting your boat of life, you have every reason to be grateful because the one who is above every wind and every wave is in you, the source of your courage. You will live here today knowing 
that Christ has promised never to leave you, that his presence goes with you, and therefore you can have courage to trust him. You can have courage to pray to him. You can have courage to share with him your pain, your thoughts, knowing that he is not just able, but he is willing to lift you up. His presence is our courage. Father, I thank you for your love for us this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for just reminding us who we are and who you are in our lives. How I pray that you continue to teach us, Lord, that you continue to lift us, Father, that you continue to encourage us and use us to encourage others. That, Father, we may allow you to fill our hearts to control our lives and to use us the way you want, not the way we think you should. And not for our glory, Lord, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.